you know, Kalijah Cansey from Pitt. He's awesome, but he's a completely different player. It's apples and oranges comparing him to Jalen Carter. And so if, if that's the kind of player you want, he's the one guy you go up and get. You're not going to find him with anybody else. I, I've said since the beginning, I think he's the next Gerald McCoy. I think he's going to come in and have that kind of a career. I think his game mirrors Gerald McCoy in a lot of ways. Welcome to the show. It's Ryan O'Leary here along with uh, my good friend, Kurt Popejoy. It's the Steelers Wire podcast. We're brought to you by the USA Today Network. Uh, Kurt, you ready to talk Steelers draft this week? Maybe you had enough of the mock draft season. We can start talking about the real thing now. Absolutely. I am I am mock draft out. It's, <laughs> it's time to get this going a week away. A week away. A week away. And I'm excited about it. And there's all kinds of rumors going on with the Steelers. And they got a first year GM in, in terms of his, you know, this is his first draft, we should say, in Omar Khan. So we have some thoughts on that coming up. But I do want to start with the big news item of the day, Kurt, and get your take on it. And that is uh, Allen Robinson added to the mix in at the wide receiver room. The Steelers are bringing in Allen Robinson. It's just for a swap of seventh rounders. This is really just the Rams giving the Steelers their wide receiver and say, you take his contract. We don't want it. And Allen Robinson's a very interesting player, Kurt. I mean, obviously was kind of an up and coming stud with Jacksonville. He had a good year uh, in Chicago with Mitch Trubisky of all quarterbacks who I know is still on the Steelers. Right. So uh, what's your knee jerk reaction to Allen Robinson joining the Steelers? Part of it for me is the fact that, you know, he's, he struggled to stay healthy the last couple of years and that's kind of dug into his production a little bit, but, you look back to 2019 and 2020 when he was in Chicago, you know, he caught 200 passes in two seasons. And so I don't think there's any doubt he can play. He's, he's still not 30 years old. Um, he'll turn 30 right before the start of the season. Uh, you know, the fact that, that the Pittsburgh's only going to have to pay 5 million of that 10 million guaranteed salary. Um, and, and all they have to do is trade seventh round picks. Pittsburgh had two of them already, so moving around a little bit's not that big a deal that late in the draft. Um, kept kept the Rams from having to release him because it sounded like they were going to release him if they couldn't get a trade done. Um, yeah, I, I think it's great. I, I think it's great from a from a roster point of view. Um, when I wrote about it today, I mentioned uh, the impact that Jericho Cotri had for the Steelers when they brought him in as a veteran. And he kind of played that third receiver role. And then he filled in and started several games in place of injury and always played really well. Um, I think that, that Allen Robinson can be that same kind of impact for, for Pittsburgh. Uh, yeah, I, I think it's great. I don't think he's necessarily, I know a lot of people have questioned whether or not he can play in the slot. Um, I'm not sure that he's a slot receiver by trade, but I'm not going to say I know his game well enough to say for sure. But Everything I've read since the trade went down, there's been a lot of mention of that. But Johnson, Deontay Johnson and George Pickens can both play inside. So I think that you could see Allen Robinson in a role where he comes in and pl- lines up outside and allows one of those guys to move inside. So either way, I think it's fine. Um, I think it's great. I, 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 I love this move. You know, if they can get, you know, he caught 33 passes last year and 38 the year before and only played in 22 games. And so I'm if it, he'll produce if he can produce that for Pittsburgh as the third receiver uh, with all the other weapons they have, I'm I'm really OK with that um, for no more than it cost him. Yeah. And it doesn't really cost him anything, really, really. It's no. just the Rams being like, we need we need cap relief. So uh, here you go. <laughs> Take the player. Uh, yeah. That's interesting. And you see on Twitter all the time, they name a random 
Name a random Steelers player. Jericho Cotri. It's cool to hear his name. Yeah, yeah. yeah, I haven't heard his name in a while. Uh, it's just like one of those low risk moves. So it's hard to hate it. Uh, yeah. It's great. I mean, you not only do you trade Chase Claypool and that becomes a 32nd pick overall. So basically a de facto first round pick. I know technically this year it's not, but it is 32 right. overall. And now you you bring in Allen Robinson. It's just a low risk move. So let me ask you, Kurt, because I had wide receiver on my needs list. I was going to bring wide receiver to the table here to talk about here on the podcast. What does this mean for the draft, in your opinion, at wide receiver? Do the Steelers now go into the room, the draft room being like wide receivers, not a pressing, uh, no, it's not pressing on our agenda right now. Usually the Steelers pick that that wide receiver on day two, where it's just like every football fans like, oh, Jesus, we let we let the Steelers get this yeah. guy. You know, that always happens. They always nail it. I think Pickens is another example last year. Uh, trust oh, me, as a as a Patriots fan. Uh, the Steelers pick right the Patriots pick a receiver and then the Steelers go right after him and pick George Pickens and I'm like crap they screwed it up the Steelers got the guy so what do you what does this mean for the Steelers in the draft at wide receiver Kurt in your opinion well I think it I think it kind of highlights that this was something they've had in the works because if you look at the receivers that they brought in for pre-draft visits um, a couple of them have been primarily projected as as kickoff and punt returners and so if, if the Steelers are going to look um, to the draft for a receiver, I would look for them to focus on a guy who can help them on special teams more than anything at this point. I don't, I don't think they need to necessarily, you know, I know a lot of fans wanted to see them draft Jordan Addison in the first round so they can get Kenny Pickett's favorite target playing with him. And a lot of people wanted to use that number 32 pick on a receiver. I always felt like that was, that was sort of a giveaway. You know, you trade Chase Claypool, you get this great draft pick, and you're just going to draft his replacement with it. I mean, I, I I didn't like that. The you know, it was one thing when they traded Antonio Brown and drafted Deontay Johnson with the pick that they replaced him with. You know, that was great because it was later in the draft. Um, but I don't like. I never liked the idea of of using the number 32 overall pick for a receiver when that was the pick that you got in the trade. Um, if that was the case, just keep Chase Claypool. You know, if you're if you're if that's all you're going to do. And so, I I love the idea that they're going to be able to use those first three picks in the top fifty to address other needs. And then, you know, right now they've got a fourth round pick. They have no fifth or sixth round picks. I expect that to change on draft day. I expect them to to move um, with one of those probably one of those day two picks. Move around a little bit and try to bring in a fifth or sixth round pick. And that's where you're going to see him look for a, a guy who can come in and maybe be a, a putt returner, kickoff returner, um, gadget, gadget kind of guy, kind of like what Steven Sims did for him last year. You know, he was he was not a true number three receiver, but he was a nice gadget guy. You know, Gunnar Olszewski, you know, you, you didn't want to have him out there on offense any more than absolutely necessary. Um, but until he wasn't, he was an OK return guy. And so that's that's where they're going to need to fill their fill their need. And I would presume they'll do it via wide receiver, not a running back. Yeah, I just think you you nailed it, Kurt, when you said on your commentary on Claypool, which I thought was spot on just later in the draft. I, I don't want the picking a receiver in the top 32 either. I I don't want the Steelers picking a wide receiver in the first round because they don't need to. They always no. they always figure it out in the middle rounds. They always do. And they always nail that pick. So, yeah, I would I would hate that move, too. Um you know, one thing that's really fascinating me about this Steelers draft, just work, you know, looking at it from you know the thirty thousand foot view, is all the reported interest in them trading up. Right, you, you've been reading yeah. that a lot lately. I know the Bears are a trendy rumor, uh, probably for a lot of teams, not just the Steelers, but they're a trendy rumor with the Steelers too, too, because 
you know, the new GM over there, Ryan Poles, he wants to work the board. He's stockpiling picks. He's trying to rebuild his roster. Uh, you know, just like he did when he traded the number one overall pick earlier this year and got that haul of uh, haul of picks. Are you buying or selling that? Right. There's a lot of reports out there that, that the Steelers are calling up the Bears, that the Steelers are interested in maybe using that extra draft pick they got from Clay's trade, you know, Chase Claypool. I'm sorry. You know, using that as a bargaining chip and moving up maybe into the top 10 to target a guy they want Jalen Carter's a sexy one to say. Obviously, that would be great if that was possible. But, you know, I'm I'm sure, you know, that's one that's one, Kurt, that I like. You know, the Steelers are going to trade with the Bears and draft Jalen Carter at number nine. It's like, no, they're not. The Bears are going to draft Jalen Carter if he's there at number nine. I I, take it. Yeah, I don't see that being. I mean, what a home run that would be for Ryan Poles to trade back from number one, get all those first round picks, get DJ Moore, and then still end up with Jalen Carter. Are you kidding me? Yeah, That'd be ridiculous. Yeah. So I don't see that happening, but I don't, I want to give a little bit of, you know, I want to give a little bit of something to the Steelers interest in moving up hypothetically. What do you think about that? You buying or selling I, it? Had it not come from Peter King, I probably wouldn't have given it much thought. <laughs> yeah. Okay. I can't okay. imagine Peter King's going to put that out there unless he's heard from someone that's not an equipment manager. You know what I mean? I mean, I'm sure that Right. And I don't know where he, whether he heard it from the Steelers side or whether he heard it from the Bears side. I'm sure the Bears are getting a lot of calls right now. You know, like you and I talked, um, there's going to be a run on quarterbacks. It's going to push a couple of a couple of really good players down out of the top five, and I think that's when you're going to see a lot of activity. I think you're going to see three, maybe four quarterbacks go off the board in the top five or six picks. And somebody's got to fall because of that, whether it's Jalen Carter or whether it's Tyree Wilson or whether it's, you know, it's not going to be Will Anderson, but maybe it's going to be Devin Witherspoon or Christian Gonzalez or somebody's going to fall. Fortunately, with the Steelers, they have enough needs that if they have a guy that they really covet that's up in that top 10, you know, they have the picks to go up and get them. Um, For me personally, having spent a lot of time looking at these draft classes, um, you know, Carter would probably be the one guy of the, of the best of every position unit. Like you've got Will Anderson's probably the best edge. No way he's going to be there. But then you look at the other positions, Paris Johnson, top offensive tackle. I'm not going up to nine to draft him when the next three guys are pretty comparable. I'm, yep. I'm not going up to get, you know, Christian Gonzalez when the next three corners are probably pretty comparable. Um, But Jalen Carter, the gap between Jalen Carter and say, you know, Brian Brees from Clemson is huge. I mean, it's, it's massive. And, and the types of interior defensive linemen in this draft, you know, Kalijah Kansi from Pitt, he's awesome, but he's a completely different player. It's apples and oranges comparing him to Jalen Carter. And so, if, if that's the kind of player you want, he's the one guy you go up and get. You're not going to find him with anybody else. I, I've said since the beginning, I think he's the next Gerald McCoy. I think he's going to come in and have that kind of a career. I think his game mirrors Gerald McCoy in a lot of ways. And I think he's a guy that if Gerald McCoy were in this draft this year, he would go top five. And I think Jalen Carter probably should too. You know, he's got some off-field stuff. I get it. He's got to sort some things out. But yeah, he, he's the one guy. If there's a rumor going up, I think about Pittsburgh going up, I would think it'd have to be for him. That would probably have to be a splashy move. Again, I don't think number nine, first of all, Jalen Carter would have to fall that far. And yeah, the off-field stuff has him coming down the board, right? I mean, I think a lot of people were talking about him being one overall, top three for a while earlier in the in the process, right? Earlier in the college football season. It's changed. I mean, he was, you know, he's hit with a reckless driving 
situation, it, there was a there was people died or you know deaths of a teammate yeah. and a Georgia football. I mean, it's a big deal. It's a big deal. Uh, so he does have some off field stuff. I think as a as a football fan, I think I would still I would still draft him because the talent is just yeah. like you said, Kurt. It's just too off the charts, and you just hope yeah. that you can get him. You know, kind of get that stuff sorted out, as you said. Uh, and you know, just hope that he's a you know a young kid and he's got some you know he's got some maturing to do, right? But uh, the Steelers would they go up a- as high as they probably would have to go to get Jalen Carter if they're that in love with the player, right? Like, would they go up to the top five to go get him, right? Would they go up to number five to to jump over some of these teams that will probably take him when when it comes their turn? Seattle uh, seems like a team that would take exactly. him. Uh, you know, that's that's one. Uh, and it just got me thinking, Kurt, like the Steelers aren't the team that do- that does this right very often, at least under Kevin Colbert. They weren't there. I, I try to look it up three times. So 2003, yeah. they moved up nine spots to get Troy Polamalu, um, yeah. another great name to say on the podcast, Troy Polamalu. Uh, 2006, <laughs> they moved up seven spots um, later in the first round. They moved up to get Santonio Holmes. Holmes yep. Right? And yep. then obviously that. we all know 2019, they moved up and got. Devin Bush, that one's kind of comparable, right? Number 20 to number 10. They went up to the top 10 to get Devin Bush. Yeah. Um, that's pretty much it, though. They, the Steelers have not yeah. been a team that trades up in the draft. They usually just no. nail their draft picks. <laughs> uh, they do. They sit, they sit tight. You know, I've got a piece yeah. going out tomorrow about the, the safety of the Steelers' first-round pick. I mean, they're a safe team, and that's, that's one of the things that you wonder. Is Omar Khan going to kind of change that perception? Is 100%. he going to play safe? as Colbert has, because they have typically been a very safe team when it comes to the first round. You know, they've drafted a lot of defensive linemen, a lot of interior offensive linemen, easily the safest picks in, in, in the NFL draft, you know, guards, centers, um, you know, defense, those swing defensive tackle guys for the three, four. I mean, they draft kind of boring sometimes linebackers, lots in lots outside linebackers, you know, they don't draft, you know, they don't make splash moves. I mean, they're, you know, probably their biggest, you know, aside from the Troy Polamalu trade, probably the biggest trade they've ever made with a first round pick has been to get Mika Fitzpatrick. Yes. You know, that was, yes. that was probably about as exciting a first round pick, you know, involving a Steelers first round pick since Troy's, Troy's, you know, the trade to get Troy Polamalu. Um, so, yeah, I, it's, it's, we all just are going to have to wait and see, you know, is the, is the Omar Khan, Andy Weidel connection, you know, are they going to bring a new, different kind of more aggressive stance to the Steelers front office? Or is it going to be more of, you know, the Mike Tomlin influence, which I firmly believe Mike Tomlin and Kevin Colbert were on the same page. I, I think both of them have a plan and I think it's slow and steady wins the race. Um, and it's going to be interesting to see, you know, if Omar Khan does decide to go more aggressive. He may just be an absolute Kevin Colbert disciple and fall right into that same, but we've already seen a pretty aggressive off season. And we've also seen an off season where Weidel's impact has been pretty strong. I mean, they've signed two interior offensive linemen that both played for the Eagles when he was there. So pretty clear. He's, he's going to have some impact on how this roster is built. You know, Philadelphia had a pretty amazing roster last year, so I'm okay with that. So We'll, we'll see what happens. You know, I mean, they, but you're right. They don't make a lot of moves. I mean, they, I, you know, they, they traded back in 2001 and got Casey Hampton, probably the best nose tackle to ever play. Um, but yeah, they don't, they don't move around much in the first round. They don't. And I just think it's such a fascinating 
they're such a fascinating team this year because of the unknown. And it is Omar Khan's first draft, but it's it's his second season, but his first draft, if that makes any sense, Kurt, because he was named the GM in May last year after the draft. I find that that's just like, how weird is that? You know, it's he, he just went through his first free agency and his first draft, but he's been a GM for a year. <laughs> I just like, what? That one's hard to wrap your head around. The Steelers front office and ownership, I feel like, is like a kind of a big family. And and you almost felt like because Kevin Colbert announced months before the draft he was leaving, but then came out and said, oh, but by the way, I'm going to I'm going to, you know, stay through the draft, (laughs) even though I'm not going to be here after the draft. And that's a lot of people thought that was strange. But, you know, that's kind of like big brothers heading off to college, but I'm keeping my room. Until yeah, yeah. I decided I don't want my room. And now, Omar, you can move into my room now that I'm I'm done with it. That's so. a great one. Yeah, that's a great one. I mean, it's just so it's so fascinating. And yeah, you, I mean, you know, I mean, we saw Omar Khan. So he does get to do his first uh, trade deadline last year. Yeah. He trades Chase Claypool and it ends up yeah. being a great trade. Right. I mean, and it wasn't his only movie made, too. Uh, yeah. And it ended up being some a great value. Some didn't. I yeah. mean, he. he you know, getting William Jackson didn't work, but that was an injury. I mean, that was a fluke kind of thing. So, yeah, he, I, I like the aggressive, you know, the Steelers have been a safe team for so long, you know, nine wins a year and no playoff wins. I, I think everybody realizes the fans are kind of getting their fill of that. And it's time to it's time to maybe weather a, a bad season or two being aggressive to build a, a great team again. Yeah, uh, I'm with you. And then so we see Khan make the, the moves on the trade deadline and then free agency is like kind of a whirlwind for Steelers fans, right? When we're used to them kind of <laughs> wait until the second wave and no, no, the Steelers yeah. are just out yeah. there having a historic free agency in terms of the franchise and franchise history. So maybe that's signaling something, right? All the rumors that they're going to move up, Kurt, and all that. So I want I want to play with, that's part of what I want to do on our like little preview episode here is I just want to kind of play with them moving up, right? And let's say okay. let's say the Bears are the target. Maybe the Bears are the team that's most looking to move back. They want to stockpile those picks. We know Ryan Poles is taking calls. So, like hypothetically, if the Steelers were moving up to number nine, we're not going to say it's for Jalen Carter because again, I don't think that's very realistic. No. If that happens, amazing! Wow, <laughs> what a home run for the Steelers and Omar Khan that would be. Uh, mm-hmm. But let's say hypothetically they move up to number nine and they have their pick of whatever offensive tackle they want, whether it's Paris, yeah. Paris Johnson or, or anyone, they're, they're top guy on their board. Yeah. Or, you know, it's possible their top two, cor- like maybe one of their top two corners are on the board, right? You mentioned Christian Gonzalez. Uh, Devin Witherspoon sounds like a stealer. <laughs> I don't know. Oh, there's something about like that. One. Devin oh Witherspoon. There's something about that name. There's another one too, Joey Porter Jr. That sounds like yeah. a stealer, right? So like, I don't know. If they go up to number nine, Kurt, What's a realistic, you know, what's a realistic scenario where you think, I don't think Jalen Carter's realistic at number nine, but if they did, they did make that trade with the Bears, what do you think is a realistic move that would be, that would kind of make the fan base be on board? You know what I mean? Like they would say, okay, that was worth moving up and, and getting that guy. I think that for most of the fans, I think if you could get one of the top two corners, and I think there's still some debate over how those top three shake out between Gonzalez, Witherspoon, and Porter. I know that if you look amongst, pundits um a lot of them have christian gonzalez as the top corner a lot have devin weatherspoon as top corner some have gonzalez as the third corner and porter as the second i think if one of those top two are there for me the top two are weatherspoon and gonzalez i think joey porter's a nice football player i think he's a really good football player um 
I think he would safely be at number nine if that was the direction they wanted to go. I think the same could be said for offensive tackle. I do think somebody's going to draft, and I know this is probably not going to be the answer a lot of people expect. I honestly think um, Peter Skaronsky is going to be the first offensive lineman off the board. Um, not because I think Paris Johnson's a bad football player, but I think Skaronsky is kind of a special guy. I think he can play right tackle. He can play both guard spots. So if we say he's off the board, then you've got your pick between Paris Johnson and Broderick Jones. Steelers had Broderick Jones in for a pre-draft visit. They didn't have Paris Johnson in for a pre-draft visit. Um, I would love to see Broderick Jones as the pick. I think he is I think he is probably the most NFL ready of the pure tackles in this draft. I think he's the guy who can come in and immediately start at left tackle, um, put Dan Moore on the bench and and make the offensive line better. I think Paris Johnson can too, but I really like Jones's game. Um, he would, he would definitely be my pick probably at that spot, even, even over either of the cornerbacks I've said, I've been on record as saying, I don't put cornerback as the top need. You do. Yeah. Um, you honest, said, you said, wait till yeah. after the draft actually on, on Steelers. Yeah. Line. Yeah. I'm, I'm okay. I mean, to me, offensive tackle and an edge rusher are the top two needs. The Steelers need to fill in this draft. Um, I think they have to replace Dan Moore and they have to get a third edge rusher. I, I think they can get through this season with Levi Wallace and Patrick Peterson and Arthur Millette and James Pierre and Trey Norwood. I think those cornerbacks can can win this season. If the Steelers had their worst pass rushing year in, I think, seven seasons last year, and everybody wants to point fingers at those cornerbacks, but that defense, that secondary is as good as the pass rush. And they had no answer for when TJ Watt got hurt. Um, so for me, sitting at that spot, um, if by some miracle Tyree Wilson lasted until nine, I would love that. Um, I like Miles Murphy out of Clemson as an edge guy too. Uh, but I would put edge rusher, the top edge rusher or the top offensive tackle on the board at nine over the top cornerback, regardless of who it is. You can get a good cornerback at 32. You know, if, yep. if the Steelers want to want to draft Patrick Peterson's replacement, this cornerback class is deep enough. You can get a kid at 32 like Cam Smith or Keely Ringo, you know, DJ Turner. You can get somebody at 32. You don't need to get one at 17, at least at least for me. I wouldn't I wouldn't put one there. But, you know, if Joey Porter Jr. falls into their lap at 17, the fan base is oh. going to be going crazy. They're going they're going to burn the city. down. No <laughs> and, and, and that's great. I mean, I think, you know. Uh, the family stuff is just a Steelers hallmark at this point. You know, um, Nate Herbig that they signed in the offseason has a brother, Nick, who plays linebacker at Wisconsin. Don't be a bit surprised if the Steelers don't draft him. I mean, he's a good football player, very Robert Spillane like kind of in how he plays. Um, just don't be shocked if Nick Herbig doesn't end up on the Steelers at some point. So, yeah, that it wouldn't surprise me a bit. I think it'd be great. I think he's got a ton of potential. Just got to figure out how to catch football. You know, he's one interception in college, just didn't a whole lot. So we played with the hypothetical Kirk going up, you know, into the top 10, making a move. I think uh, if one of those, those stud edge rushers slip through and they can go up and get one, I mean, that would be awesome. Um, and I also would not, I would not be pissed at all about get one of the top offensive tackles. If not their, their top guy, because if you just drafted Kenny Pickett last year in the first round. You might as well go get, you know, an offensive tackle, franchise offensive tackle to go with them. I mean, that that makes a lot of sense. But what about number 17, right? So say the Steelers do not 
trade up. They they do what they kind of do, and they kind of stand pat and just make their pick. Uh, what's kind of your best case scenario at 17 overall if the Steelers stand pat right there? Um, you know, what's what's the best case? You know, I think that I think you kind of hope at that point that maybe um, Darnell Wright from Tennessee, the right tackle, is there. You know, he's not a I don't know that he's a left tackle early in his career, um, but he's definitely the fourth best tackle in this draft. Um, you, you bring him in, you kick a core of four over to left, maybe left tackle, do it that way. Um, if Nolan Smith, the edge from Georgia is sitting there, you know, you, you, you got to give that some consideration. Uh, I'm not sure why he isn't getting more, more positive press, but I think he's every bit the edge player that Miles Murphy is. And, but everybody seems to have him sliding a little bit. Um, you know, I think that, uh, and like I said, I'm, I'm, I'm working on a deal about the safest pick. And, you know, those are kind of my two guys. I think if at 17, they do decide cornerback, odds are Porter's going to be gone. Gonzalez is going to be gone. Witherspoon's going to be gone. Deontay Banks from Maryland is going to be there. And he is probably the most best all-around athlete in the entire draft at cornerback. And so um, that wouldn't wouldn't shock me a bit. Um, Tomlin loves his Maryland guys. He's he's made no secret about that. I, I think that he's a, a good option if he's the the fourth corner off the board at that point. Um, but yeah, I think I think one of those guys is gonna gonna just kind of be sitting there. The thing is, is that I think if if there's several guys that are pretty comparable sitting there at 17, I would love to see Pittsburgh trade back a little bit. Yeah. Um I would love to see a player or two slide at a position they don't need. You know, maybe maybe the Ohio State um, wide receiver Jackson Smith, the Jigber, whatever he, you know, maybe he's still sitting there, and somebody wants him or Dalton Kincaid, the tight end from Utah. Um, you know, maybe maybe somebody decides, maybe Dallas decides they just got to go up and get Bijan Robinson, or sounds like them. Uh, yeah, you know, maybe maybe there's a, a move like that out there, and they can move back eight or ten spots pick up a, an extra third or an extra fourth and a fifth um, in those spots where they can, they can find talent at those really deep classes in this draft. And so um, I would, I would love to see them at least entertain the idea. I think I talked um, back at one point, you know, I, I'm still kind of convinced that Hendon Hooker is going to end up a first round pick. Um, maybe some team wants to go up and draft him you know, so he doesn't slide to Tampa Bay or whatever the case may be. So, you know, you, you look at it that way and maybe, maybe somebody's going to want to move, you know, let them move back a little bit, still get a, a player like Anton Harrison, the the tackle out of Oklahoma, you know, maybe in the mid twenties instead, you know, he's, he can start at right tackle, hit the drop off between him and rights, not that big. Um, yeah. I mean, Pittsburgh's in a pretty good spot. They've got a couple of positions they really need. And this is a good draft for both of them. So I'm I'm pretty excited about what they can do with these first three picks. I think the first two days of the draft um, are going to be pretty exciting for Steelers fans. I think they're going to see. I, I'd like to see. Think they're going to get two new starters minimum out of those three players. It's going to be a fun draft. I mean, I like these ones where this is an interesting one where there's not a lot of wide receivers being mocked high, right? I mean, so I think the run on receivers could start a little bit later this year than maybe we're used to seeing, and then. We're going to see teams overpaying for some of these quarterbacks, you know, some of these project quarterbacks like Hendon Hooker. I wouldn't be surprised if he gets picked in the top 15, Kurt. You know what I mean? Like I wouldn't right, at all. Right. So, uh, yeah, it's it's going to be fascinating. And 
when you have these quarterback heavy, you know, drafts in the in the top ten, players come down and you can really get some great value. So it, it's going to be interesting to see how this plays out. And just for the record, Kurt, you're not drafting a running back or a wide receiver for the Steelers this year. If you had your perfect world, the only the only like I said, the only reason I would draft either one is if either of them are pretty accomplished in the kick in the return game. You know, if you if if the Steelers in the first pick in the seventh round that they have Deuce Vaughn, the little back from Kansas State's there, and they want to pick him up to to return punts and kicks. Yeah, I like him. I'm okay with it. Um, or the you know if the the little the little receiver from Houston, Nathaniel Dial, another kind of smallish guy that returns a lot of punts and kicks. You can get him late. I'm all for it. Charlie Jones, the the receiver from Purdue. So be it. But I wouldn't even consider uh, a either position until the third day um, because we don't know, like I wrote about, we don't even know what direction the Steelers are going to go in the backfield. I mean, maybe the biggest story of the offseason has been Derek Watts still has not been signed. You know, I mean, does this mean they're just not going to carry a fullback? You know, if they're if they're not bringing Derek Watt back, you know. I, I could make it like very uh, TMZ. How will this affect TJ Watt? How will he feel if his brother doesn't return to the team? Or You'll get a lot of clicks out of that, I think. Yeah, yeah, you know. But I mean, really, are they? Have they just decided that that with Connor Hayward, they don't need to carry a fullback? Are they? You know, Connor played running back at Michigan State. Are they just going to forego that that fullback spot on the roster? And they always dress three tight ends anyway, and just do that. Um, if that's the case, you know, Benny Snell doesn't have a contract. Um, Anthony Richards or um, yeah, Anthony Richardson does have a, or Anthony McFarland. I'm sorry, Anthony McFarland, you know, he signed, he could be that number three. Um, but yeah, I, unless they can, unless they can help in the return game, I don't see much point in drafting either one. All right, man. Hey, we're, we're so close. We're so close to the draft a week away, Kurt. What, what can folks uh, be expecting on Steelers wire or maybe even draft wire? Like what are you guys ramping up over the next, yeah. you know, six, seven days before we get, we finally get home here. Yeah. On Steelers wire, I am going to try to knock out a couple of articles every day to give fans kind of a look at kind of sleeper prospects that I've come across um, guys that I think are going to be good value picks that fit really well with what the Steelers do. I'm going to include some stuff kind of comparing current prospects in this draft to either current or former Steelers players, just to kind of give fans a perspective on, on kind of what their game looks like. Um, I know a lot of Steelers fans and a lot of NFL fans aren't big college fans. And so as much as a lot of people don't like player comps and things like that, I think it does give, give fans an idea of kind of what a, what a player's game is. If they can, if they can picture a guy they watch play for eight years in the league and go, okay, that that guy reminds you of him. That makes sense to me. And so, we're going to do some of that. Like I said, a lot of sleeper stuff, a lot of late, you know, day three guys. Um, you know, a lot of a lot of roster impact stuff. I want to I want to really dig into all these new players, figure out where they fit on the on the roster right now, how that's going to impact the draft. You know, will two new starting inside linebackers mean the Steelers aren't going to draft an inside linebacker. What would they look for if they do decide to draft one? A a, a lot of breakdowns like that, a lot more analysis over the next week. Excellent stuff as always from Kurt Popejoy. Check him out on the Steelers wire. He and the team are just grinding away mock draft after mock draft preview after preview, anything they can think of. Uh, It's just great content over there that will get everybody, any Steelers fan set up for the draft right there on Steelers Wire. And then Kurt and I will be back after the draft to uh, react 
How's that sound, Kurt? Yes, sir. All I'm right. Ready. We will catch Start you. in 2024. Let's go. We will catch you all then. This USA Today Sports Podcast has been presented by USA Today's Sports Media Group and is available in your favorite podcast store. Make sure to subscribe for weekly updates, the latest fantasy picks from Corey Bonini, and the Huddle Podcast, Inside the Weekly Line, with Sportsbook Wire's Jeff Clark and Eston McLaren, and the Bet Slippin' Podcast. We'll see you again next week.